Take your Bibles, Genesis chapter 1, if you will. Let me mention that um, this Saturday, um, Triple J um, Promotions, that's uh, Jay and Jeannie promoting Southern Gospel. They are using our facility this Saturday at 3 p.m. Many of our people enjoy Southern Gospel, so it's the Bean family. And if you're interested in that, just show up, uh, bring some funds to give an offering, be a blessing to them. Always want people who use our facilities be blessed. And uh, we thank um, Miss Jeannie for Jeannie for uh, coordinating all those things. So Southern Gospel Group this Saturday, 3 p.m., and it's the Bean family. Uh, also, there's a baptism tonight, so praise the Lord for that. We're looking forward. Had seven on. Uh, Sunday and five the Sunday before and one tonight and it all adds up. Praise the Lord. We're in Genesis chapter one and if you've found that, would you stand and let's read one verse together. I believe we're on chapter uh, one verse four. Okay, there we are. Okay. Uh, The Bible says, and God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And what I want us to focus on is the fact that God said it is good. It is good. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for this time. It's been a good day. We thank you that throughout the day we find opportunities to let our lives count for Christ, and that's what we most wish for. Lord, I thank you for these good people come out on a Wednesday night. How I pray that you'll bless them, dear Father. Speak to their hearts from the Word of God. Holy Spirit of God, do what only you can do when we assemble together. Thank you for the teenagers, the children, the college and career. What a blessing it is to see so many of them tonight. Uh, Lord, may your hand of blessing rest upon our church as well as our individuals. And for those who are sick and have had surgery or experienced loss, Lord, comfort them as only you can. We love you, Lord. Thank you for this time we have together. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So in Genesis chapter 1, verse 4, it says it is good. Notice Genesis chapter 1, verse 10. And God called the dry land earth and gathered together the waters called he seas, And God saw it, that it was good. Notice verse 12. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw it, that it was good. Notice verse 18. And to rule uh, over the day and over the night to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw it that it was good. You see a pattern uh, coming along here. Verse 21, And God created great wells and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw it, that it was good. Verse 25, And God made the beasts of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, And God saw it, that it was good. In verse 31, 
And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and morning were the sixth day. And of course, in chapter 2, verse 9, you're going to find that he made the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So uh, God makes things good. Let me share a few other verses. James chapter 1, verse 7. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Now, what that is saying is that every good gift, every perfect gift, comes from God's hand. If there's anything good in your life, God is the author of it. If there's anything good in your life, God is the author of it. He is the founder of every good thing, every perfect gift. It comes down from the Father of light, in whom there's no variableness, shadow of turning, simply meaning using a sundial. Uh, God does not even vary enough so that on a sundial you would see any shadow change. And um, that's, that's our God. And so if he was good in the Old Testament, he's good in the New Testament. If he was good in the New Testament, he's good in the church age. If he's good in the church age, well, that means he's good today. He's good for your life. He's good for my life. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. Now, that's God's promise. That's scripture. And I know I've had people say, well, it doesn't say everything's good. Well, yeah, okay, I understand that. It's not saying that. It's saying all things work together for good. And the old illustration is you take all the ingredients of a cake and none, none of them individually does anyone want to eat a bunch of flour. Let me get some flour down my throat. Let me get a little yeast and swallow it. Uh, let, me, let me get this and let me get that. But you stir it all together and bake it and boy, that's pretty good stuff. God makes it all together come for good. Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. I want to speak tonight on the subject, how it might have been. How it might have been. And uh, as we speak tonight on this subject, we're going to use some biblical illustrations. But the goal is for you to think about your life. Think about your life. I don't mean just all the mountaintop experiences. I don't mean all just the good that God heaped on your life. But what adversities came into your life that God means for good? What heartbreak, heartache has God brought in your life and he meant it for good? And sometimes we only see that as we have a perspective of time, get a look back and reanalyze and rethink and see that God's hand was in the midst of our world when it seemed upside down, when it seemed like it was falling apart. 
when it seemed like it might have been over. And yet God was behind the scenes working out his plan. So even those terrible times that people have to go through, believers, Christians, good people that love Jesus, heartbreak, loss, sad times, had to go through. God means it for good. And we want to look at that tonight. And so while we mention a few instances of biblical characters, and I'll even share a thing or two of my life, I want you to think about your life. I want you to realize that when you thought everything was falling apart, God was probably doing his greatest work because it brought you to this point, made you who you are. It allowed you to be the blessing that you are. And by the way, you are a blessing. I've been going through our list of seniors. There's about 220. And so I've been systematically trying to visit five a day, everyone on an hour. So every hour I'm in a different place. And I've been enjoying that. But the blessing has been all mine. I was listening to one of our sweet members yesterday, 92 years of age. And I asked her a prayer request, and it's this. I I want my life to be used to win more people to Christ. I thought, praise the Lord. It wasn't about arthritis. It wasn't about shoulders that hurt or uh, feet that won't work or this or that. But... It's, I want my life to count for Christ. I, I want to be busy for the Savior. I want to do things for God. And what a joy to be a part of a church that has so many of our people, and not just seniors, but of all ages, that their chief mission in life is for their life to count for Christ. Praise the Lord for that. But I want you to try to see through the message this evening that even in your darkest day, that was still God's goal for your life, is to make your life count for his glory. And so we praise the Lord for that. Let me share just by way of introduction a few thoughts. What God makes, he makes good. Now that's backed up in scripture and we've just read some of those, but You could go on and on through scripture. What God makes, God makes good. There's never been anything that God's created and then a day later said, let me rethink that. Uh, Let me go over that again. Uh, Now, if you and I were God, we might have one day made the platypus and thought, let me rethink that thing. I'm, I'm not sure I got all those right parts into that. But God has a purpose, and God loves diversity and yet unity. It never makes two leaves alike, never two grains of sand, never two snowflakes, never two trees, never two people. Out of all the eight billion people on planet Earth, we are distinctly different. Even identical twins have differences. And it's an interesting thing, and yet God loves unity. He doesn't want us all to look alike, act alike, talk alike, be alike. No, no. But he wants us all to love each other. He wants us to get along. 
And that's the miracle of Christianity, and that's the miracle of the local New Testament church. We are all different people from all different walks of life, all different backgrounds, all different thought processes, and yet uh, we can be united in the bonds of love and endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bonds of love. That's our goal as believers, and that's what a church is. What God makes, He makes good. Secondly, I want to say every good and perfect gift comes from God. Well, we read the verse for that in James 1.17. Everything that's good comes from God. Thirdly, he then is the source of everything that is good. Now, you might say, well, pastor, you're being repetitious. Well, I know, but on purpose. Uh, I want to try to get this uh, rooted down so that when we start sharing a little more, you'll see that God makes things good. Even things that we would at first would say, well, that's not good. Well, yeah, but God makes things good. When that which is not good comes our way, which it will, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of troubles, Job says. Job says, man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. That's life. You get done with one trouble, you start another trouble. Hopefully they're not all terrible troubles, but uh, there's going to be troubles in life, and you might as well just sort of get used to that. So God, when he makes that which comes our way, which is not good, when it, it will, then he decides to turn that which is not good around so that eventually... It works for our final good and his glory. And that's his purpose. Our final good and his glory. It's a twofold purpose. Everything that God brings into our life. Now, fifthly, I want to say we must accept this by faith. You must accept it by faith. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 8, Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. Now that's a statement of fact. For in that he put all things or all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. Now all of us say, Amen, God's in charge. But wait a minute, it goes on. But now... We see not yet all things put under him. So, did, is all things under God? Yes, amen. Is God in charge of all things? Yes, praise God, amen, hallelujah, yes he is. Do we know that God's in charge? Do we know that all things are put under him? Yes. Do we see all things put under him? Uh, you mean like uh, Washington, D.C.? You mean like Salem, Oregon? Do we, do we see all things put under him? No. We, we do, do. Are all things under? Yeah, yeah, we know God. He's, he's in charge. Everything's under him. Praise God. Do we see it? No. We don't see that they're all yet under him, right? 
Now, I don't know about you. I don't know which news channel you've been watching, but I stopped, I stopped about eight years ago, stopped watching it because uh, it, was, it was not encouraging my sweet spirit. Uh, I, I didn't want to be a, a, a bitter Christian. I, I want to revel in the things of the Lord, and the news has nothing of that. But notice he says, but now we see not yet all things put under him. So we must accept by faith what we do not see by sight. Accept by faith what we do not see by faith. Sight. Now, let me say, uh, a troubling thing is for a Christian to go through a tough time and, 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 and say to different Christians, why me? I, I don't know why me. I, 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 don't, I don't know what God's doing. Now, I would just suggest it's okay to think that because you're human, right? You might think that. But I would not say that because it shows our doubt in God's ability to make all things good. You and I, as believers in a sin-cursed world, need to realize the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. Amen? Sinners get a flat tire from time to time. Christian people get a flat tire. Sinners get cancer, Christians get cancer, bad people get sick, good people get sick. We are not immune from the, the wicked things of this world as far as its, its grip on our health, on our life, sometimes children and grandchildren and relatives. We are not immune to the devil working in this sin-cursed world. And so don't be surprised when it's your time to go through grief, your time to go through sorrow, just try to take every experience that comes your way as an opportunity to bring honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have a terminal illness, it's either going to take you to heaven or with God's grace, can be a great testimony of his grace in that you suffer gracefully and you keep a sweet spirit. I've met some of our people this, this last week, this week, who have terminal cancer, but they have a sweet spirit and they're a testimony to the cause of Christ. And I think to myself, that's what I want. Not the cancer, <laughs> but if so, I want the spirit. A sweet spirit, no matter what comes my way, no matter what God chooses to let come my way, knowing that God makes things good and he makes all things for good, for our good and for his glory. And there's not a thing that happens to our life, but what it's first filtered through the hand of God. Not a thing that happens to us. We do not know how in the world God will do this at times. So you may ask yourself the question, well, I, I don't know how God's going to turn that for good. 
And I think it's okay to ask the question, but know in your heart, some way, somehow, unbeknownst to you, he will do it. Because he's God, we are not. Amen? Now that's weak. Amen? Okay. Some way, unbeknownst to you, God will turn it around, and you don't know how... Well, I got I got laid off. How, how's that good? I don't know. But I've seen many people within a few weeks have a much better job that had bigger benefits and greater salary. I'm just saying, God has a way of turning things around. Don't doubt his work in your life just because it doesn't look good doesn't mean he's not working for good. Because God means good for the life of his children. The temptation is to wish that we just did not have to deal with that which is not good in our lives. I mean, that's the temptation. Lord, I don't want any sad days. Lord, I don't want any unhappy days. Lord, I don't want anything to be a reversal. Lord, I don't want my wife to ever get upset with me. Lord, I don't, I don't want any problems. Please spare me from all the, what do you want to die today? Spare me from all the problems of life. You might get hit head on going home and you get to heaven and say, what was that about? Well, you prayed and you said, spare me from all the bad things of life. So I just did. That's why you're here. You're in heaven. It's over. Well, that's not what I meant. Well, there is no Garden of Eden still on planet Earth. Amen. There, there is none. And so we are in a sin-cursed world. The temptation is to wish that we just did not have to deal with that which is not good in our lives because, because it hurts. And it can hurt so bad. We do not understand how it will turn around for good. And we do not know how long we'll have to endure the bad that has entered our lives. We don't know that. And when bad things happen, it hurts. And sometimes it hurts for a little while and sometimes it hurts for a long, long time. We have no control over that. God does. God will let it hurt until it doesn't need to hurt anymore. Until the hurt is only helped. And once the hurt has helped us, we don't hurt anymore. Because we see God's hand in it. Here's the last thing by way of introduction. What we do not realize is the bad that comes our way is an integral part of making us who we are and allowing us to affect the people we do. See, God lets you hurt because this world's full of hurting people. And he wants you to identify with them. And he wants us to know how to love them. And you're going to find even in witnessing when someone shares about some tragedy that happened many of you will be able to say, yeah, I, I went through that myself. And, and you're blessed and they're bitter. 
because you let God keep working in your life. Now, the title of the message is How It Might Have Been. And here's a case in point. We'll use this character. His name is Joseph. How it could have been. He's 17 years of age. He grows up at home. He's loved by his father and tolerated by his brethren. He stays in the family business of raising the sheep. He meets a young lady from the land of his father. He marries her. He raises a family. He grew up enjoying a wonderful life until he reached the age of 39. And then he and his family and all his relatives starved to death because there's a world famine and he wasn't in Egypt to do what God wanted him to do. That's how it could have been. He could have had an idyllic life. He could have had a life with very little pain, very little stress, very little anything. He was still favorite of his father. He's going to have a good life. He could have stayed there, married at home, stayed with his family, everything gone fine until he reached the age of 39. He dies, his wife dies, his children die. He watches them die of starvation. There is no food anywhere because there's no one in Egypt to save the seven years of plenty. There's no one who's done that. Now, without a revelation from God, without a man named Joseph in Egypt, in those seven years of bounty, no doubt people saved grain, but not seven years' worth. Not seven years' worth. Maybe a year's worth. Maybe a very frugal man, two years' worth. But remember, when he's 39, he meets his brethren who are out of food and come to Egypt to buy grain. And he says, there's five more years like this. And it's going to take everything you have. And keep in mind, the very people who lived in Egypt, who watched Joseph save the grain, were running out of food themselves. And so they sold their houses, so they sold their lands, and then they sold themselves to Pharaoh. But had Joseph not been there, there would have been no one to sell yourself to. There'd be no one to sell your land to because there's no food. And the Bible says the famine was throughout the world. So what I'm saying is, Yes, it was terrible to be sold into slavery. Yes, it was terrible to be put in the pit and betrayed by Potiphar's wife and put in prison and, and forgotten there. It, yes, that, that was terrible to spend 13 years of your life as a slave or in prison. And that was no joy. I understand that. But did God have a good in it? <laughs> yes, he did. To save much people alive. Other than our own Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, Joseph 
single-handedly was responsible for more people's lives being saved than anyone else in history because it was a world famine. But God gave him a revelation to interpret. He was the right man at the right time. And only later could he say, ye meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to save much people alive as it is this day. Now that's Joseph. Could have had a good life. But he traded 13 bad, miserable years for 71 good years. See, he lived to be 110. So he traded 13 years of his life that was bad to get 71 more years after 39 that was good. And the Bible says he saw his children's children to the fourth generation. Wow, isn't that wonderful? Having your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, and your great-great set on your knee. I'm just saying God had good that he couldn't see, but by faith, he believed it. By faith, he trusted God. By faith, he saw it, and he saw the good in it. Let's look at another life. Her name's Ruth. She lived a fair life. She married a sickly man. He died. She went back home to Moab, got married again, died a heathen, having never trusted the God of Israel, no hope in eternity, not in heaven today, because she had a relatively good life. Or she lived a fair life. She married a sickly man who died, went with her backslidden mother-in-law, because that's what Naomi was at that time, a backslidden, bitter woman, went with her, man met, I mean, lived a life of extreme poverty. There was no inheritance awaiting her. She was too old to do the work, uh, Naomi. So Ruth's doing the work for both of them, gleaning in the fields, working like a common servant, met a man of God's choosing, And the rest is history. Here comes baby Jesus through her lineage. That's pretty impressive. But she had to be able to go through those bad times to get to those good times. What's the bad times in your life? What's those failures that hurt you miserably? What what is the thing that still hurts you? maybe still haunts you. As though maybe God just forgot about you. You know God's good, but he just forgot to put it your way. You know God has a plan. He just forgot to reveal it at all to you. And so you're thinking, I'm so glad he revealed it to others and this person, that person. But I, quite frankly, I've never seen it in my life. You don't see it yet. But God's not through with you. God's not through with your life. 
God has a good future for every one of his children. Nothing or no one can negate God's good future for you. I don't know how many times I've had to say that when a lady has been divorced by her husband or her husband's been divorced by his wife or a tragedy has come and a relationship broke up and you think, well, you know, my life was good and now it's wrecked. No, no, it's not wrecked. Say, God's not through with us. So you can have some things happen that hurt very bad, but it doesn't mean God's through with you. He's not through with you till you draw your last breath. Nothing or no one can negate God's good future for you. So another person cannot determine your destiny. Only God determines the destiny of his children. Well, if, if I'd married right, well, since you're sitting beside someone, I hope you did, but if you didn't, God's not through. God is working in our lives. God brings things to good. I'm not saying he's he's got a replacement. I'm just saying, God, uh, just enjoy what God's given you. Because God's not through with your life. You will have to get through some bad times to get to the good. And the last point I want to say is be patient. Have faith. Keep serving God. And in his good time, he will turn it all around for good to you and others around you. He will. And, and let, let, me, let me share just a, a brief personal uh, testimony to that fact. 39 years ago this September, uh, my wife and I uh, had the very first service of Grandview Baptist Church in the Carpenters Hall. We set up chairs. We knocked on thousands of doors, or I had. She was watching the children, passed out flyers, put in newspaper ads, did all, everything we knew to do. And uh, grand opening service. I was lining up the chairs. We had a banner outside. Uh, My wife and I were inside getting things ready. And our oldest boy, who's um, six at the time, runs in and says, Daddy, they're coming. They're really coming. They're coming. And, of course, he talks so southern Nobody in Oregon understood what he was saying. They're coming. (laughs) And uh, so we go outside and people start showing up. We had prayed for six months, six months for 75 people our first Sunday. We had 75 people our first Sunday. And three people trusted Christ as their Savior. And people say, I bet you're happy. No, I should have prayed for 150 if I knew God was going to give me exactly what I prayed for, I should have gone higher. Oh, ye of little faith. And God did some unusual things. It's a crazy thing to meet in a carpenter's hall in metal chairs, have a piano on this side, an organ on this side, and no one know how to play this or that. 
And I was leading the music. And so it's all a cappella, which is Greek for terrible. It's just terrible. Pathetic. And I'd always remind them, the Bible says, make a joyful noise. So it doesn't have to sound good. Let's just be happy while we murder this song. Every once in a while, I'd go over to the piano and I'd hit a key and go, hmm. I'd hit another key, hmm, hmm, okay. I'd go back and we'd start singing. And they'd say, Pastor, I didn't know you knew No, I don't know music. That was just comic relief. That's all that was. I don't know anything about it. I'm like my father. He'd say I couldn't carry a key in a bushel basket. I didn't know anything about music. But we sang. And God blessed. And people got saved. And we had 75. And then at six months, we had 121. And then in one year, we had 154. And in two years, we had 185. And then at three, we had 285. And at four, we had 395. And we were running 250. And after four years, we take our very first uh, vacation, go down to Disneyland with our children, because now we have four children. No, well, we have more children, four, I believe. We had two born in Oregon. The first Sunday, a young couple came with a blind baby and let me hold it. And I said, oh, I got to have some more of these. <laughs> and Vicki said, uh, well, not one. We're going to have at least two. We're not going to have a straggler. <laughs> Later, I would say, oh, I hold that baby. It was so great. She looked at me. I'll get a skillet and say you died in your sleep, you know. <laughs> That's not happening. Okay. So uh, everything that you could possibly imagine was doing great. We had uh, the bank president of U.S. Bank in Oregon City. We had one of the local doctors that had been around here a long time. We had successful businessmen. We had wealthy people. The offerings were, were just off the chart good. We had bought 11 and a half acres of land, paid cash for it. We were raising funds to build a 17,000 square foot building in cash and pay for it as we go. And we had the people that had the funds to do that. And for a Baptist church, that's a miracle that God would do that. But when we took a vacation, I was in a Baptist denomination and they wanted to control uh, men in our church, and so they were interfering and calling men of our church, trying to make me more, quote, denominational, which I didn't understand at all, because that year, I'd just spoken to 6,000 people in St. Louis at a denominational meeting. I got to speak to the whole crowd. How do you get more denominational than that? I was assistant moderator of the Northwest Association of that denomination. I figured that that says I'm part of the denomination. God was blessing. But you see, that's, there's a principle called the autonomy of the local church. That's a Baptist belief, local church autonomy. No outside force 
has any business in interfering into the affairs of a local congregation. It's the pastor and the people decide their own fate. So when that denomination decided to do that, I decided I can't work with a denomination who believes one thing but practices another. So I withdrew. I preached a message on a Sunday night, let's make a decision, because I already made mine, but let's make a decision. And the vast majority on a Sunday night actually I asked them to come to the platform in the carpenter's hall, and they did. And I'm sure they were thinking, I don't know what this is about, but I'm for the preacher. (laughs) I don't know. And God was blessing. We were seeing a lot of people saved. But then we got a lawsuit from the denomination for pulling out of the denomination. But not only did we get a lawsuit, every family in the church got one. Every single family in our uh, directory. Have you ever wondered why we don't hand out directories all the time? (laughs) Every single family in the directory got a lawsuit. Teenagers in the directory got a lawsuit. And all of a sudden, we went from 250 to 80 overnight. We didn't lose any Sunday school teachers, didn't uh, lose any uh, soul winners, but we lost the bankers, we lost, we lost the doctor, we lost the businessmen, we lost the wealthy people. Why? They didn't want to be sued. Hey, neither did I. But this is where God called me. That was one of the biggest hurts. Now, if you'd come a day after that on a Sunday, you never would have known we never, we never skipped a beat. We kept winning people to Christ. We kept seeing people baptized. We kept seeing lives. We never talked about the lawsuit until about six months later, we had a business meeting and we voted to give everything we owned to a denomination. I reminded them, you know, the Bible says it's against the word of God to take a brother, Christian brother, to court. They said, we know. You know that. And you're doing it anyway? Well, we know it. Well, it also says if they take you to court, give them your cloak also. I said, we're not going to go to court with you, against you. That's against scripture. What do you want? They said, everything. I said, you can have it. Everything. It was about $160,000 we had. And keep in mind, that was a long time ago. That was a lot of money. And we gave what we thought was our future away. And who knew if we had a future? All of our money in the bank was frozen. We couldn't get anything out. We couldn't get a salary check. Couldn't pay any of our bills. I had to borrow 10000 personally just to keep things going for the next year and live on. But if you would see what God did after that, you would say, ain't God good? to give us so many blessings. What I thought was one of the biggest heartaches, 
I called up my brother and I said, um, Phil, it, it looks like it looks like everything's over. I said, they were promising me that I would uh, speak at denominational meetings. They promised me I'd speak at a lot of their other churches. I said, it's over. And my brother wisely said, Mike, God's bigger than a denomination. And I thought, yeah, how'd you get so wise? You're right. I have spoken in so many different places, so many different countries, so many different states, so many different Bible colleges. I I don't even try to remember them. But I'm just saying, ain't God good? And so sometimes what you think was meant to destroy you, God was using it to make you. Now, let me close very quickly with this. Here's what I said to our congregation. I said, I don't know if we have a future. As we can't pay the bills, we don't, we don't know how long we can go on like this. I said, but let's just try to keep everyone out of hell that we can by sharing the gospel everywhere we go. And they caught on to that. And that little group of people started sharing the gospel. And that year we saw 1,200 people get saved. And the next year, 2,000. The next year, 4,000. The next year, 6,000. I mean, it just kept snowballing. When we were four and a half years old, we went from 250 to 80. We had 468 on our five-year anniversary. It just so happens that almost all of them were visitors. It was strange. But God kept blessing. And let me tell you, when the devil throws a dart at your way, if there's a dart that gets through, it's not because God has it in for you. It's God has things for you. Many of our people went through divorce here at Grandview Baptist Church but they're having a wonderful blessing in marriage to someone else that God brought into their life. And what a happy time they're having. I'm so happy for them. I'm so happy for the people who get second chances or third chances. I'm so happy for the people who uh, went through tough times and yet God has used them greatly. I'll close with this illustration. I'm done. Years ago, I was playing in uh, golf at um, the children's course in Gladstone. And I was taking, um, I think it might have been Miss Vicky. And I won't tell that story because that's, that's funny and I don't have time for it. But took her golfing. But I was talking to a guy and his young boy. And I said, what do you do for a living? He says, I I work at Goodwill. I said, oh, well, that's good. Do you you operate a Goodwill? Sharp, sharp fella. He said, no, I sort out clothes. I hang them up. And then he said, well, that's about all you can do when you've been in prison for eight years. And I said, oh, I'm sorry about that. He said, I'm not. He said, it was the best thing God ever did for me. 
He said, I got saved in prison. I went to Bible studies in prison. I got a degree in a Bible institute in prison. I now, he said, I now work in my local church and I get to help our pastor. And God's transformed our marriage. And God has brought our family back together. He said, what would have been destructive, God used it as the greatest tool to put our family together and put me together as a man of God. So a lot of times what you think will destroy you, God knows will make you. So yes, you could have had a life of ease. Yes, you could have had everything go right. And, and Grandview could have been just another church. But I think all of you know we're not just another church. God's had his hand a blessing on this for a long time, and he's going to for the next generation. But ain't God good? Hard times were not meant to destroy you because God meant it for good. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I trust that while I spoke, you thought about your life. You you thought about things that were potentially destructive in your life. I wonder if you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I I think I see that in my life. I, I see how God took something that was heartbreaking, but... He brought me to this place of joy in life. I wonder if you're like that. Would you just raise your hand? I think God's done that to so many of us. God bless you. He's done it to so, so many of us, if not all of us. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that you make all things good. We're so glad that you created things good. And when the devil tries to turn them around and make them bad, Heavenly Father, even you make that bad turn out for good for our good and your glory. And Lord, I pray we'll always be mindful of those days, those hard times in our life that um, hurt so badly to go through. And yet what a blessing they become to come to this stage in our life and to experience your blessings and to know the joy in our uh, relationships and, and how you've taken care of us in our church, Lord. And Every area of our life, thank you, Jesus. You took care of Joseph and many others, took care of Ruth and many others. And Lord, thank you for your blessings. Bless in this invitation, Lord. Help us to praise you for who you are and all you've done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's all stand to our feet. The panel's playing. If you want to come to an altar, if not, you can pray where you are, but... Thank God for what he's done in your heart and in your life.
God bless you. You may be seated. We are waiting to see one get baptized, and what a blessing that's going to be. Uh, For those who are going on the Alaskan cruise, we are leaving at 9 from the parking lot this Saturday, so get there early enough to get your luggage on board and take one last pit stop, and we'll get on, and we'll be heading towards Seattle to get on a cruise and have a wonderful time. Let me say also, if you look at the best year's newsletter that came out this morning, you're going to find that we have another date in September where we're having a luncheon here at church on Friday. School's not in session on Friday, and so we'll do that on Friday. We had 60 here this last Monday. Had a great time with our seniors. But then also we're taking a, a Mount Hood railroad trip. Uh, from Hood River all the way up to the Park Place. We're going to have a box lunch there uh, with uh, a wonderful meal. And so I hope you'll look at that. It's $50, and that pays for the transportation up there, uh, the train ride, and the food. And so I hope, uh, I know that's a little more, but the train costs a lot. But we're going to have a wonderful time. We, I have 35 tickets reserved. So first come, first serve, and uh, w- this Sunday we'll have a sign-up sheet, okay? Do, do you want to hear how I used to sing when I, oh, okay, just. I was expecting that answer, but I, I just didn't think it'd come that fast. <laughs> Here we are. sister, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, for the likes of his death, grace, likes of his resurrection. And the servant said, Lord has done as thou commanded, and yet there is room. Okay, well, God bless you. You're dismissed. <laughs>